There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The rock band Everclear performs live at the Fillmore in Silver Spring, Maryland this Wednesday night. I caught up with frontman Art Alexakis about the band's biggest hits, including Santa Monica, I Will Buy You a New Life, Father of Mine, and Wonderful. Hey, Art Alexakis. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good, good. We're talking because you, of course, from Everclear are coming to the Fillmore in Silver Spring, Maryland on Wednesday, September 13th. Now, before we even get to that, I have to cite the uh, the Seahawk elephant in the room. Look at the hat. Um, you know, here we're all big, you know, Washington football fans, commanders fans now still getting used to that name. But but I, I got a I got a bone to pick with you. I was at the game. I was at that game when when RG3 blew his knee out in the playoffs and our our uh, franchise went like this and you and Russell Wilson went like that. And uh, it's just not been fair. <laughs> you know, man, I was I remember watching that game. Were you there? Were you I was, at the game? I was there. It was like the closest we ever, you know, in how many years we came to, you know, actually making yeah. a run. RG, RG3 was so, so amazing. I know. It just, he wasn't very football smart about sliding. He wasn't very football smart about, wow, I don't feel good. I'm, I shouldn't probably play. And it just cut what could have been a Hall of Fame career. Heisman winner and then amazing rookie of the year season. And then oh. ever, ever since that injury, him in the, uh, my, it was Mike and Kyle Shanahan because Kyle went on to. But you're, blaming, you're blaming me. You're blaming me. I am. I am blaming you for that. Be, just because you're wearing that hat, you know, 11 years later, it, it caused that injury. I believe that. <laughs> well, I am I am a 12 brother. I'm. That's what we, that's what Seattle fans call ourselves. And uh, isn't it great that football's coming back? I'm, I'm so just, excited. I'm excited. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, no offense to the Christmas carol. The Christmas? This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I love, well, between now well, and New Year's, that's my time, baby. I love this time of year. It's the best for me. I get it, brother. I get it. It stops being hot. It cools off. It's sweater weather, football. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for baseball, it's, you know, it's the playoffs in the World Series, which is always good. Oh yeah, you um, got the hunt for October heating up, and I'm an I'm an Orioles fan. Um, where oh, dude. you got a team this year, bro. This is, this is the year, and but it's always been interesting because nowadays you'd say, why aren't you a Nats fan or a Ravens fan? They they've been the better teams, but growing up, nine of the nine of them were here. So I was DC football and Baltimore baseball. I was like a Cal Ripken Oriole guy, you know, and a Joe Gibbs football guy. So uh, it's weird how it works out. But yeah, the O's we we could make a run this year. We got a good young squad. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I want it to be a repeat of the '66 World Series: Orioles, Dodgers, my Dodgers. Oh, so you're I'm, I'm older than I'm much older than you. 
I saw my first game, a doubleheader at Dodger Stadium when I was just seven or almost eight years old, um, 1970. Who was yeah. who was on the team? Was this before Fernando Valenzuela or what? Who was on the team? Then? Oh, way before, way before, like ten years before. Okay, yeah, it was like ten years before. You're not Sandy uh, Koufax and Don Drysdale, though. You're no, like you're between no, that. I miss I miss them by about five years, four or five years. Drysdale by about two years. No, Don Sutton was just starting to pitch, um, but we played the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and Bob Gibson. Oh yeah, Bob Gibson. You know who Bob Gibson is? Yes, right? they changed the mound because of him. They they shortened Dude, because because he he will he, because he would beat people to, <laughs> to a ball, and he he pitched a two hitter, and the infielder dropped it, and he ran over to him and just yelled at him for dropping it. Wait, um, this was your first game you ever went to? First game, and I'm up in the nosebleed seats and with binoculars just losing my mind because it's the most exciting thing I'd ever done in my life. And then he hit, this is when, this is way b- before Otani or anybody like that. He hit a grand slam home run. That's what pitchers did back then. You had to be able to bat. That's yeah. what baseball players do. You pitch, you you bat, you do it all. Anyway. That's, ins- that's insane. Before we move off this, I have to say, that's insane that you mentioned your very first game you went to was uh, almost two hitter because my very first game was an actual no hitter against the Orioles. At, it, was, it was before they built Camden yards. It was at the old Memorial stadium in Baltimore. And, but it was uh Wilson Alvarez of the white Sox. And, but you know, when I was a kid, we're sitting there with dad, like, dad, this is boring. No one's getting a hit. Like Ripken was, the, he walked, he was the only one to prevent a perfect game with the walk. But um, we're like, what, why is it? But dad can't, you don't want to jinx the no hitter. So he's like, he can't, like, yes. Yeah. Well, even though it was a hot dog. Yeah, exactly. So it was a mixed experience as a kid. But in hindsight, I'm like, wow, I was at a no-hitter in my first game. Anyway, um, man, we we could we could talk sports all day, but we probably should plug your show at the (laughs) at the Fillmore. Talk about Uh, the rock and roll just a little bit. You know, I've never played Silver Spring the the Fillmore at Silver Springs. I'm excited. I'm really excited to play there. Yeah, Um, we we spoke to you a couple of years ago. Where did you come? I think it was City Winery, which doesn't exist anymore. That was a pandemic um, uh, victim. Um, casualty. Yeah, casualty. There's the word. Um, there's why. That's why you're the songwriter. You come up with the verbiage. But uh, last time we spoke, I want you said your guitar got smashed like at the airport. Um, and we were joking like, are you gonna have to play air guitar? Do you do you remember this? And and do you have working instruments? All instruments are good this time, right? All instruments are good this time. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. That was my acoustic guitar. So the, the someone at the airport smashed it up. I got new guitars and I got that guitar fixed since. Did they but, reimburse? Yeah. Does the airline oh, reimburse you for that? Like two hundred bucks. Not worth the hassle. Five thousand dollar guitar. Oh my yeah. god! Not to mention the stress of all that before the gig. Well, anyway, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad all systems are go. No instruments were harmed in the making of this interview. Um. So what if if folks come out <laughs> if folks come out to to see this show? What are is it like? You know, I assume all the greatest hits. Any anything new? Well, well, actually, now that I think about it, don't you have a new one coming out live at Whiskey Go Go in on September eighth? So I guess a, a little of everything. Well, live at the Whiskey Go Go is our first real live album. We recorded it last December first, the last show of our thirtieth anniversary tour last year, and um, it's fifteen live tracks, fan favorites, all the hits. Um, sounds great. It sounds like us live. If you've seen us live. 
we're much harder live. We always have been. We're much more produced on record. That The way I grew up in the 70s and 80s, that's kind of how you did it. So that's where I get that from. But um, we also got two new songs on the uh, on the album. The one that we recorded last year, Studio Tracks, a song called Year of the Tiger. And then we have a song called Sing Away, which no one's heard yet. And uh, the video is going to debut on uh, September 8th, Friday, September 8th, uh, on the uh, People Magazine website, which is exciting. They're going to premiere it. So it's it's really cool. I just approved it yesterday. It came out really great. Awesome. My 16-year-old's in it, almost 60. Oh, wow. So yeah. two new studio recorded songs, and then the rest of the album is all the live at the Whiskey Go-Go. Nice. Yeah, live um, hits, old, old school stuff. Yeah. We're going to have to check that out. I love it. Well, And then also, I guess we should say, I think you're touring with the Ataris. People remember them for that amazing cover of Don Henley's The, the Boys of Summer. Um, talk about, if you want to know how Absolutely. to do a cover, if you want to know how to do a cover song, that's one of the best ones right there, I think. So how fun has it been uh, touring with Ataris? I don't know. We haven't, we, we, we've talked to him on the phone. I talked to Chris on the phone, but uh, haven't met him in person. We're going to see him on uh, uh, Wednesday. Is uh, Wednesday the 6th is the first show of the tour. We fly out. Okay. Uh, from home to catch up with the bus on uh, Monday. So we'll get, we'll be on the bus on Tuesday. Tour starts on Wednesday the 6th. Album comes out on Friday the 8th. The video debuts on Friday the 8th. And then uh, we got six weeks on tour with them and a band out of, really great band out of uh, Nashville called the, the Pink Spiders. Um, great band. So it's going to be a fun tour. It's going to be awesome. a lot of fun. That's cool. So we're going to catch you like a week into the tour. That's great. We're, we're on the front end of it. That's great. Um, awesome. Well, uh, while we have you, let's, I want to, you know, remind folks some of, some of your journey. And so you're born in LA in what, like 62 or something. Um, but then you moved, made you, how'd you make your way to, to Portland to form Everclear in, in 91? Like, how'd you make the move? Well, I lived in LA and then we, I moved to, uh, San Francisco because LA had become like, like, butt rock metal mecca and it was all what they call paid play so you basically have to sell tickets to play a gig so us and a lot of bands moved to san francisco where they had a club system that was old school where you could get gigs and i started a record label there and i met went on tour i met a girl from portland oregon she moved down to san francisco lived with me for about a year she got pregnant so we moved to Portland in uh, late 91, had our baby in June of 92. I started Everclear in Portland in April of 92 and uh, put out our first record in 93, World of Noise, that we recorded for 400 bucks, true story. And then uh, just toured and just, you know, just played as much as we could. And uh, labels took a Major labels took a uh, notice of it and signed us. Capital signed us in '94, June '94, and we recorded our our debut major label record, Sparkle and Fade, that summer. And uh, it came out the next May with our first single, Heroin Girl. That wasn't a big hit, but a big fan favorite. And then later that summer, Santa Monica came out. That became a hit single, and that was kind of the the rest is history. 
Absolutely. Okay. Thanks for thanks for filling us in on that. So that makes sense then why you would be Dodgers baseball because you were born and grew up in LA. But then as you made your way up to Portland, I guess that's a little closer to Seattle for the Seahawks. And it's all it's all making sense now. It's all making sense. Can't put it, I can't put nothing past you, brother. No way. <laughs> uh well, cool. Well, cool. Well, um, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you put Sparkle and fade past me with, I mean, you dropped heroin girl in Santa Monica real fast. I want to know, um, you know, cause you're dealing with some heavy stuff and, and they're storytelling songs, you know, it's not just, you know, fluffy stuff. I mean, heroin girl is overdosing on heroin. I'm, you know, I guess you lost a brother to an overdose on heroin. Um, Santa Monica, okay. you know, the, the rumor and innuendo is, is, you know, a girlfriend committing suicide off the Santa Monica Pira. But how much is that is apocryphal or, 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 you know, true or, you know, personal well the stuff about santa monica is absolutely not true and i've said it like a thousand times people <laughs> just like stuff up. how did uh, that come up like why did people invent that i don't know man i write i you said storytelling and you're yeah. absolutely right i like storytelling singer songwriters and i like punk rock and hard rock and big guitars and that's pretty much whatever claire is a singer songwriter in a rock band um you know about a third of our songs are autobiographical. Father of Mine, definitely. Uh, wonderful, definitely. There's other other songs that like the fans know really well that are autobiographical. Then about 30% of our songs, another third of our songs are I take things from my life and, and create characters like Heroin Girl. My brother died of an overdose. I almost died three times of an overdose. I had my heart defibrillated. I was a drug addict. I was a street junkie, blackout drunk. Um, got sober in 1989, uh, so 34 years. Um, right. But um, then a third of the of my songs, I just write. I just write. I come up with an idea and I write about it. And if I, if you can't tell the difference, and a lot of people can't tell the difference, then I'm doing my job. You're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it sounds real. So, you, so yeah, that, that's great. Um, um, I think I think there's truth, even if it didn't like actually happen in real life like right. that. It doesn't mean it isn't true, you know? Yeah, there can be truthful elements based on things you've gone through or seen or heard or read about. But even if it's not to a T, that's, that story you told is not 100% true. But yeah, no, the, you're that's, right. The fact that you didn't know the difference. Yeah. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, awesome. Well, then after Sparkle and Fade, of course, so much for the Afterglow comes in 97. And and it's just that thing is massive. Um Tell me about I will buy you a new life. But didn't you just you said you just bought a new house when you were penning that one? I was living in Portland and uh, I bought it up in the West Hills. And uh, that's where the big, beautiful houses were. And before we got signed, you know, we me and my second wife, then girlfriend and our baby were pretty poor. And we lived in a place. The neighborhood was called Felony Flats, if that gives you an idea, uh, in Portland. But we would drive, we'd get a, 
uh, Happy Meal for our daughter in the backseat. We drive up to the West Hills and park. And I'm sure freak people out like they thought we were casing their houses and stuff. <laughs> and we beat up um, Nissan Sentra, which had a back window missing and, you know, the trunk the trunk was open and yeah so we used to look at those houses and fantasize about being in them and two years later after the success of Everclear I bought a house up there so it was interesting different perspective inside looking out versus outside looking in um and that's why I wrote that song I love it I love it and then of course the the same album you referenced earlier but I you know my listeners will kill me if we don't at least get you know one one question on on father of mine I mean I know it's based on your dad leaving at a young age and I think last time we spoke you said you kind of related not only the memory of that but then looking at your own daughter as a young father back then and being like how on earth could could someone do that but yeah tell us about the the writing of father of mine that's where it came from I was just one night after putting my daughter to bed uh she was probably four or five years old at the time. Um, and, uh, I, you know, just when you have kids, parents watch their kids sleep. It's like cheap entertainment and it's really special. It's kind of magical. And um, I remember watching her sleep and just going, man, not trying to be mean, not trying to be sarcastic or, or, or anything or snarky, but seriously, how does, a, how does a man do that? I don't understand how you do that. When you see that and you realize that's a part of your life and that you're responsible for that and that that is something that will help motivate you and drive you, you know, in a productive way. How do you walk away from that? That's and I my wife went to bed. Um, I went to my little studio um, office uh, and sat down with my guitar and notepad and <laughs> wow wow i mean yes i'm, I'm with you it's it's how it, it takes us a, a different kind of person that i don't want to associate with that could just walk away from that i mean i don't i don't, I don't understand it i don't understand it but it, i'm glad yeah. you got a song out of it you know i am too in hindsight you know my dad wasn't a bad guy he just he was broken he yeah. was raised you know in a broken way he was abandoned by his dad yeah um you know i i i have broken a cycle of like four or five generations on my father's side of men abandoning their, their, their uh, kids. Wow. And, uh, and I'm grateful that I had the uh, wherewithal to do that. Yeah. Good. But, for you. Good for you for breaking that cycle. Yeah. What they say, you know, hurt people, hurt people, you know, gener it becomes a cyclical yeah. thing, but I'm glad, I mean, it takes someone strong like yourself to stand up and, and break that. So that's amazing. Hey, maybe time for one more of the, the classics from, you know, uh, from the next album songs from an American movie. Wonderful. Um, tell me about, uh, yeah. What, what inspired that? Is, is it sort of about like how divorce affects kids or affects the couple or all the above? Well, that's in that second category. I was talking about where I was a child of divorce and um, in 99, uh, I got divorced from my daughter's mother. Uh, I wasn't, even though I was clean and sober, I wasn't acting clean and sober as far as not drugs or alcohol, but just the way I was acting. I was lying. I was cheating a lot, sleeping with a lot of women, just, you know, playing into that whole prototype, you know, kind of rock and roll lifestyle. And uh, I uh, watching my the pain in my daughter going through that 
reminding me of the pain of me. And also another guy in my band, his dad had abandoned him. And mm. so that was an amalgam of a bunch of different things that I, I put it into created that character, you know, of, and, and from that perspective of being eight years old or seven years old or five years old or whatever it was being a child and just being in that live wire of just emotions that children are, you know, and thank God my, my, uh, my oldest daughter went through that and she still got issues with me about it. She's in her thirties. Um, my youngest daughter, um, me and her mom have been together almost 19 years and, uh, we've just got a better relationship than when we met. And, uh, it's, uh, so she's blessed to have that, to have that strength and know that her parents love her and that she's safe and secure because kids just want to be safe. You yeah. know, they just want to be, we all just want to be safe. Yeah. Everybody wants to be safe. So that I, it's funny though, a little side note about that song. So I had that album had started as a solo record and I hadn't written that song and, but I had written a bunch of the other ones and uh, the band heard it and, the label heard it, my management heard it, and I hadn't played it for them. And it was going to be my solo record. And they showed up at my house at the same time and basically begged me to make a Neverclare record. And I said, okay. And, uh, but I, I, I'm like, it's not done yet. We need to go in and put you guys on it, take the old drums off, put new drums on bass. And I wrote another couple songs. And one of them was a song that I didn't have words for yet, but I wanted to call it wonderful. I just, and I knew it was going to be about divorce. And, um, and then I finished it. And a friend of mine that I was working with was like, man, he's looking at the list of songs. He goes, what's the song wonderful? I go, it's a new song that I just finished. I could play it for you. He goes, well, finally, an upbeat, happy song. That's, you, you never write happy songs, finally. And he didn't, and he used the F word many times, like, finally. And I'm like, okay, when I hear it, and I played it for him. <laughs> when you listen to the like, words, it sounds, it sounds, hey, I he's mean, like, he's like, it sounds, no, 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 it sounds, you know, upbeat, but if you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. My songs are major chord and they sound all upbeat and melodic, but they kind of hit you at home a little bit. Um, the new, our new song, Sing Away, is very similar to that. In a lot of ways, it doesn't have non-eyes in it, but um, yeah. And he listens to it, and he's like, "It's a great song. It's gonna be a hit song." And then he goes, "Fuck you!" And he's like, <laughs> "You got you, you can cut that out, right?" Well, you know what? Yeah, for for the radio, for the FM airwaves, I'll probably cut it out. But I'll, I'll maybe I'll leave it in for the the full podcast or something. You know, because come on, why we, we can't? We're not gonna censor art here. Come on, literally art and art. Fuck, we can't censor fucking art. Fucking a. Can't sense our <laughs> um, well, you've you've been really really generous with your time, so we'll we'll let you run. But uh, everybody, come check out Art Alexakis. Alexakis said it right of Everclear. Like, like Alex saw the band Kiss. Alexakis. There you go. Alex saw Kiss. Oh right. wow! But it's not in Detroit Rock City. It's in Silver Spring, Maryland, and it will be at the Fillmore on Wednesday, September thirteenth. But don't whatever you do. Don't wear the Seahawks hat, all right? You can't wear the Seattle hat. Dude, one of the best things about being on tour is we're all going to be on the bus, and we have almost every Sunday off. And direct TV, YouTube, 
NFL ticket. Get out of here. Sunday ticket. Going to watch every game. That's so awesome. Riding down the road on a Sunday, watching watching the games. That's fantastic. Yeah. But yes. Making making some chili, making some chili in the uh, the the slow cooker in the crock pot. Making some bratwurst on the George Foreman. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like the John Madden yeah. bus. Remember, he used to take the bus everywhere because he was afraid to fly. Yeah. But de- that's like you, He's man. Afraid you're to fly. Of, yeah, you're the John Madden bus. But he had a full on grill. He was he was like yeah. grilling stuff. He had like you know, a Viking stove and stuff on his. <laughs> Yeah, and Turducken's waiting for him when he got off on Thanksgiving. But uh, yeah, Art might not be wearing the hat, but he will be in beast mode on stage, right? He will be in beast mode like Marshawn Lynch on stage. I will be in beast mode. That's Absolutely. the best That's the best I can do to tie it all, all together. So, hey, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. This was so much fun. I know you've had a long day of interviews, but thanks for being so lively and sharing the sports stories and all the fun stuff. I, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thanks. All Good right. interview. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.